0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Why My Parents Worry About Me. I'm Taylor.
1: And I'm Mona, and you're listening to a podcast where we spin the globe, land on a random city, and share stories of true crime, folklore, and a touch of paranormal that truly makes our parents worry about us. I think that was my best one.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: My, my worst voice? one.
0: Top your best number. one. <laughs> yeah, you messed up
1: a couple times. I
0: did. <laughs> Which you would think the, the first line would be the easiest. It's literally two sentences, maybe three. And it's your name. And it's, yeah, my name. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, and the podcast name, which we say all the time. So it really shouldn't be <laughs> a I don't challenge. know, but at the same time, how many times do I say, like, why m-
1: my parents worry about me? Why my parents worry about us? Why my parents True. worry about you? Like, I True. change it all the time.
0: Yeah, it's slightly different. There's some variation in our parents' worriedness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what week
1: is this week? Is this
0: the end of the year? Yes, this is the last the last episode of 2020, thank God, what a year. Crazy. Are you, did you have a good holiday? I did. I did. We just exchanged gifts and, I don't know, tried to do it as safe as possible. Was your holiday good? Yeah, Um, it was really nice because everybody, like, my little family came
1: together. Mm-hmm. Like, when I say family, I just mean, like, my dad, my sister, my other sister, my brother kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. Kind of came over. So, all the people I usually see, my niece, Um. Mm -hmm. and got to exchange gifts however i have to make this clear because i have to tell somebody and the podcast has to listen (laughs) when if you receive a gift from me Uh and you're part of my family it was me if you received a gift from my mother and Mm -hmm. you're part of my family it was me (laughs) if you you get a gift from my dad it it was also me it was you You i do all the christmas gifts yeah i have to get the credit somehow Mm mm-hmm it's me. I order everything. I make the ideas. The other day I was like, Mom, like, what do you think about this for this person? And my mom literally said to me, "Um, what do you think? And I said, I mean, I like it. And she was like, buy it. I was like, but- "No,
0: <laughs> give me something Go else. Do it.
1: Like, I just need some recognition around here.
0: Yes. I would like to give you a round of applause for giving gifts.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: This is the year that we gave, I would say, the most most people most gifts like we really tried to get because 2020 sucked like quite frankly it was a very long year for a lot of people and even though that like we had a good year Mm -hmm. um like besides COVID we I don't know we just felt like we had to spread joy somehow so we did presents to as many people as we could so you just gave people gifts you can't afford right (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because that's what I did. Yeah, basically. (laughs) We were like, it's fine. Money will come back. Yeah. the See, I'm like...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, like, because I literally was like, wow, the savings I have in November. I can't believe I'm saving money again. Mm -hmm. I feel so good. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I got to (laughs) Christmas shopping and stuff. And then I was like, no savings.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's done. It's crazy how much money you can rack up when you get, like, I mean... We had, a, we had a very, like, strict budget for every single person. We wrote a list out. We had a budget for every single person. We had written down everything that we were going to get for everybody. And it's hard to stick in a budget. Like, yeah. everything is way more expensive than you think it's going to be. And I don't know. It's hard. Christmas is hard for a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm. And I so. just, like, I love my friends so much. I just want to give them the most. I know. Even if I can't afford it.
0: I know. I want you to open your present so we can talk about it on air, but...
1: <laughs> oh, I know, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Who's we'll that for sending it so late? It's me. It's hi.
0: How are you? <laughs> but
1: I want everybody to know that Taylor got her gift already for me.
0: <laughs> just to fill you guys in. I did get a frickin' Mickey Mouse hoodie. <laughs> yeah, she literally talked
1: about it last podcast, and I yeah. got it. it. Like, I already had it beforehand, mm-hmm. so I was it's like... It's so mm-hmm. good. You fool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Originally, I thought it was a robe, and then I washed it and was wearing it the other day. And it's like a plush... Sweatshirt, it's perfect and it's long. It's just easy.
1: Well, I was trying to figure out your size because you have a very like thin upper like Mm -hmm.
0: frame. I was like a small, but then I was like, but you're tall. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Is I'm petite, but I'm also five ten. Yeah, so it's just like proportionally, it doesn't really make sense with sizing.
1: So wait, really quick for all our uh not
0: American people, that's uh
1: 181 centimeters. I
0: think what? Oh sure your height uh yeah i think i'm 70 inches 69 69 or 70 inches i really do prefer baggy clothes um so it's very really
1: comfy especially right now
0: exactly i mean i don't leave my house even even my normal aesthetic is like a really big baggy sweatshirt with something tighter on the bottom
1: i don't think there's a problem with it
0: no nobody's gonna explode it's all good. Me,
1: if I wear baggy stuff, it adds like literally like thirty pounds.
0: <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting how people's bodies wear clothes differently. Like I could wear a t shirt that's exactly the same as you, and it would look so different on both of us. Yeah, that's it's why crazy. I don't understand one size fits all clothes. That's like that can't be a thing. No,
1: that's why honestly I'm obsessed with us in a way, Taylor, because we are mm-hmm. such opposites.
0: Yes, that I love the fact that we get along so well. <laughs> I know. Well, they say opposites attract, and they were not wrong. Oh, yeah. So, are you doing any New Year's resolutions this year?
1: Um, I mean, kind of. My mm-hmm. I never like to do resolutions because I know right. that it never stays throughout the year.
0: Yeah. It's dead oh, by, I... like, the third week in January. Every time. <laughs> yeah, literally, I <laughs> so, yeah, like when
1: people go to the gym and then, like, by, like, March, people are like, yeah, it's empty again.
0: <laughs> I literally got a gym membership, used it at once, and then never went back. Yeah, but you felt really good when you did the one time, didn't it? No, because everybody in my high school was also at that gym. And so I would run into people from like six years ago. And yeah, it it was always it was the game of like, are we going to talk to each other? or Are we going to pretend that we were friends in high school? Or are we going to like pretend that we were best friends in high school? And oh, my God, I love your glutes type of friendship, which would never happen. That awkward (laughs) confrontation. I hate it. It's bad. That's the
1: point. I mm-hmm. hate, but I see people I know from outside of, like, like yeah. from school. Yeah. I saw one at a coffee shop the other day, and I was, it was just like, do I acknowledge you? No. I don't want to. The answer is <laughs> always no. But then my friend behind me did acknowledge them, and I was like, Ugh. unbelievable. Girl, come on. That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I have Now I seem like an asshole, because I didn't. <laughs> she was no. like, oh, Mona, did you not notice? I was like, yeah, I didn't notice. <laughs> didn't see him at all. No, no, no. So... But for as like a good guideline, I guess for a resolution, I do believe in trying to just be more healthy this year, mm-hmm. and just trying to pick up better habits. That's okay. what I like to focus on. Just trying yeah. to be like a better me in some ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: try to eat less sugar as always because I have an addiction.
0: <laughs> I think that's doable. It's not like you have like a specific. I think people go crazy with their New Year's resolutions. Like my new... it's not attainable. it's not even a yeah. So we started writing down our goals on our um we have like a whiteboard on our fridge. And so we started writing down our goals on the fridge. I wanna say in June. Mm-hmm. And like what do you wanna do? Like let's keep each other accountable. And I wanna listen to like one audiobook a month. It doesn't have to be That's related a good idea. to what I do professionally. It can just be like something I'm interested in like i don't know egypt you prefer or non- the Titanic. Like non-fiction then yeah i'm not a fiction girl <laughs> i'm very non-fiction but
1: it's just interesting to me because you are yeah. an art student and you mm-hmm. do graphics and you do videos yeah. um so for you to not want to creative book yeah. outlet, i guess it's just interesting to me
0: yeah i think it's because i'm um left brain and right brain so i do things that are creative every day and then i want to Like, I'm listening to nonfiction podcasts while I'm working in the creative sector. I would
1: die if that was me.
0: (laughs) I do it all day for eight hours. So bored. From 7 a.m. to 4 to 5, I'm just doing that.
1: (laughs) Amazing. All right. Where are we going this
0: week, Taylor? We are going to Ottawa, Canada. All right. So, this week,
1: I'm talking about the SDG jail.
0: Yeah, I hadn't heard about this when I was doing research, so I'm really excited to, to know about what this is.
1: I mean, it's pretty much a paranormal place. Okay, it's a place with uh ghosts and things.
0: Okay, which we love. I respect that. I encourage yeah. it, actually.
1: So, SAG's jail is like pretty well known in Ottawa, Canada. Mm-hmm. Is that where we are? Yeah. Okay. I'm already yeah. forgetting where I'm. <laughs> already right, struggling. Okay. It was built in 1833 as a place. Um, as a like a prison, but it also served as an asylum, house of refuge, and a notable warehouse. So it had multiple functions, and it was, like, well-known throughout the years, Mm -hmm. because it had it held notable murderers to petty criminals. So there was, like, more famous people, just, like, a purse snatcher, like, nothing big. Yeah. Also, it was a place of many escapes, so a lot of the inmates actually successfully escaped there, but usually were brought back, so there's never
0: been, like, a big case, but they Mm -hmm. definitely tried. Yeah, I feel like everybody wants to escape prison. You know, I mean, like, if you're in jail, you have nothing else
1: to do. I mean, we've literally talked about me in solitary confinement and how I'd be one of the people to go absolutely nuts. <laughs> so I think I'm one of them. Yeah. I don't know. I just get lost in my head. I mean, like, okay, so, like, the inside of this jail was, like, severely overcrowded, for mm-hmm. example, and sometimes really gruesome. So why would you
0: want to stay there? True. There's probably so many people there. It seems like it's kind of like a catch-all too. So, there's probably some really crazy people and some people that are like I shouldn't be here.
1: I mean, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the cannibal that during mm-hmm. a riot ate two of the inmates. <laughs> but, getting back to the story. We always say this, we always get so off topic that I'm like, how, how are, do I though. ease back in?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Taylor will ease back in in the editing, don't worry. <laughs> I know
1: Taylor's so good to me.
0: So, oh, I love you.
1: <laughs> okay. So inside, like I said, it was, like, severely overcrowded. It was supposed to hold only 35 inmates, but it usually held double. Like, there was no space for a lot of them.
0: 35 is a very small number. You would expect them to build something bigger. Right?
1: But a lot of people died there, so I guess they had, like, a high turnover rate.
0: Usually they died of hanging, illness,
1: suicide, or violence. And if the bodies were not cleaned by the family, they were buried on the premises, which is now the parking lot. So when you park your car there, you're on top of tens of thousands of bodies. Thank you.
0: Did you remember, do you remember I don't know if you ever told us when you were a kid when you go past a graveyard you're supposed to hold your breath your, hold your breath and you're supposed to put your feet up.
1: I don't know about feet up. I just know yeah. about hold your breath because the spirits
0: can grab you from underneath the car. Oh my god. Uh, now I'm going to have to do that but now like I'm driving. So... This is why I need a Tesla, dude. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> take control so I mm-hmm. can not get taken by the spirits.
0: Yes. Tesla just keeps outranking everyone, truly. <laughs> <Honestly>. <laughs> so in 1990,
1: the northern section of the jail um, was being dug up to like kind of build more room and try to excavate and see what's kind of over there. Mm-hmm. And multiple bodies were dug up. And including in these bodies was the bodies of uh, Henry Segan, who is a notable murderer. Um, mm-hmm. He took poison to get out of his hanging and then died of convulsions. And then also the body of Peter Balcom who murdered Marie Ann Carrier, who was a Canadian Women's Army Corps Reserve Sergeant. He had an affair with her till she found out, and then during an argument, he stabbed her multiple times. And so he was sentenced to hanging and died there. Still, his body was buried on the premises because his family never claimed them. Both their families never claimed them. Um, so like I said, there's still hundreds, 100 bodies buried on the premises that they kind of just left there. there between the parking lot and exercise yard. So... However, there have been some strange things happening there ever since they've been shut down since 2002. And um, it's actually, like, well-known that the one, like, paranormal group, Phantom of Yore, through their um event, is that what it's called? You can spend hours in the dark there. So kind of like what you did Oh, cool! a couple months ago. Yeah. I'd do it if it wasn't so far away. I know. Well, we could go sometime, but. COVID. That would be fun. Yeah, not right now. So <laughs> eventually. So, there has been, like, some strange things that have happened there. For example, like, a judge died during a trial.
0: Wow. Um,
1: There's been multiple deaths there. Like I said, multiple escapes. So, just, like, different things have kind of started to build the spirit world around mm-hmm. here. So, people have noted that they feel the presence of energy when they walk inside. They feel bizarre encounters and events as each room has a story. And they've even seen, like, little white orbs floating around. In the warden's office is where it's, like, really strange because apparently that's where apparitions of children appear
0: oh why is there children right.
1: that's what i couldn't fi- figure it out or find mm-hmm. out so i don't know why but they're just like so there's like this video of phantom of yore posted of the warden's office mm-hmm. and it was kind of creepy like you could literally see um like the balloon in there moving because they started to put so they put toys up in the room to like entice the children. So they have like mm-hmm. an Elmo doll, which I don't like. <laughs> Why? And a light up doll, which like is supposed to light up on its own, but it and it but it needs to be moved to light up, and it mm-hmm. moves and, like it lights up. So people
0: that's are like, "That's crazy." Creepy.
1: Yeah, that's weird, right? And so it's just a bunch of. So I saw this like paranormal. It was like a three hour video, so I did not watch it all. Yeah. So you can see it on the Phantom of your website or okay. fa- Facebook page, I think. And you could see like the balloon moving and you could mm-hmm. hear a whistle. Interesting. So, definitely strange noises and interesting um, parts such as like caught on camera. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not always the ghost uh, perform for us. Right.
0: Yeah. It's always hard with video. I feel like you want the video for proof that it happened. But at the same time, video is so hard because I've gotten pranked before at uh, a family farmhouse with hunter and his brothers they like but they like said that the grandma's ghost not my grandma but like a grandma figure lived there Mm -hmm. before they moved in and um she would sit on a rocking chair and the rocking chair would move back and forth by itself so creepy and so hunter Was like, Taylor, the chair is moving. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like, this is my first time here, and she's already like doing shit. And so I walk outside, and Hunter and his brothers are all standing there, like, Can you believe this? Like, this is happening right now, right in front of you. And I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. What I didn't realize is one of them had had a fishing line
1: tied to the chair. So (laughs) mean. Yeah.
0: So you, I mean, it's so hard to, I don't know, it's so hard to prove. That that I know happens
1: even like multiple accounts. I'm like, did you just feel that way because what you've heard, kind mm-hmm. of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. why I always go
1: back and forth.
0: Yeah, and I think I mean with the um, Bushy Mountain State Penitentiary, I tried to not do anything before the thing, like before yeah, you we didn't want to like ruin your experience, right? And so afterwards, I watched a whole bunch of videos online, and a lot of activity happened in the cafeteria where i I had an issue and another um place was the auditorium movie theater place where everybody else at my party had issues so it's weird there was there's a video uh, i forget who it's published by that is just like they're just like sitting in the cafeteria just like waiting and passing on time and a chair just gets thrown at them and i'm like damn it's so scary that's why i'm like you can't say it's
1: not real Actually, like you talking about this, like actually, like there's a Ouija board experience at this jail. Okay, and some hate Ouija asked, boards. By the way, I know. I'm like, why are you, why are you playing with uh, the devil? Why are you, why are you playing this game? But they like, this person was placing their finger on the, is it called planchet? Planchet. Placing their finger on the planchet to connect with um one of the ghosts in the room, mm-hmm. and the board was on a felt-covered table, but. As they like started to move the pieces, mm-hmm. it began turning under the blanket, And oh, everybody weird. in the room felt like a negative energy. So it was a very strange. <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> I know people love negative energy. I know. They're like, <laughs> I feel a negative energy. Here I am. Like I, know, it's, I don't It's the chi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel anything. <laughs> I'm literally like,
1: mm, yeah, I know what is what is a feeling. So um other strange occurrences that happen around the jail. As I hear a strange harmonica playing, Hmm. phone calls from the jail are made when it's left unattended. People hear the clinging of keys and chains or the whistling, like I mentioned before. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's footsteps from the courtroom above the jail where people shouldn't be up there and then they can hear cells opening and closing. Pass on all of that. Right? (laughs) So some notable ghosts is Matthew, who's a young boy who wanders around the courthouse Mm -hmm. Some children talk about seeing a lady in black by the staircase up to the courthouse. So some people may think it's, like, a woman that was trying to see, like, her lover or something or her Mm -hmm. son that was dressed in all black to his court, like, room. Okay. And then a man named Charles who wanted to be a guard there. Yeah. So some notable people that actually went to the jail who there's, like, some talk that their bodies, because their bodies are still kind of left on the premises. Mm Mm-hmm and there's some talk that they are haunting the jail, it was Clark Brown, who savagely killed his father and sister with an axe. Um, When he killed them, he said that he impulsively killed his father and his sister caught him in the axe, so he just killed them both. Right. Hung, he was hung in 1879. There was James Levin, who killed a constable when he was being arrested for wounding two other men, and he was hung in 1892. There was Thomas Coulson, who murdered... Beatrice Thorpe and then tried to kill her brother and he was said to have hallucinations and queer tendencies. Remember this is 1920s. And yeah. he was hanged in the 1925. So those are just some notable people that were from there and their ghosts are supposed to simply wander the area. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's kind of SDG jail. Like what's I once again, like you can kind of go and explore at night if you ever wanted to. And it's a really interesting place, with a lot of history.
0: So mm-hmm. This is why my parents worry about me. I would 100% go. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we could go maybe. Next that would hour. be so fun. Do you spend the night there? Um, Yes. Okay, wonderful. I, I wish they would have had electricity on. I don't know. I just have a thing with her. Like, if a place is really haunted, it's going to happen with the lights on or off. And I feel like carrying around a flashlight is just heightening your senses for like no reason. I don't know. I know because they're going to be like super on edge. Right. Yeah, I just don't like how one section of eyesight is bright and the other section is dark because I feel like, I don't know, I've talked about how, like, people naturally see shapes and you naturally will see shapes through your peripheral vision. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a lot harder to prove that a spirit or entity is there if the lights are off.
1: No, that makes sense. Honestly, I agree.
0: Yeah. So, today... Tell me about your story. <laughs> I am going to be discussing the murder and torture of Donna Ellen Jones. Okay. Which. Is that sad? Yes, it's so sad. So Donna had a semi-rough life growing up. Um, that didn't mean that she didn't grow up to be an outgoing and bubbly young lady. Even though mm-hmm. she was belittled by her father and she had some baggage with that, uh, her friends still described her as an absolute sunshine which is a really kind way to describe Mm -hmm. someone um she worked with a canadian food inspection agency and was a graduate of the charleston university which is a pretty big deal even today charleston university has an acceptance rate of only 20 percent and students must have an act score of 31 to 34 and an sat score of 1350 or 1530 Mm -hmm. so if you hadn't had to take those tests or you don't have to take them in your country. That means you basically have to have a GPA or four point zero one and be at the top of your class to be accepted into this college. Oh hell no! <laughs> I was not that <laughs> Good high. You guys. What day? <laughs> right, my college had like a ninety-seven percent acceptance rate. Like <laughs> <laughs> literally. Right. Same. I was like, "Yeah, I'll get in." <laughs> so, I only applied to one
1: college for a reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I did three no two i was like oh no three i did three um nice, nice,
1: nice.
0: yeah and I-, I can tell you i wouldn't get into charleston university there's like absolutely no way i would get into that college <laughs> <laughs> um so fast forward into the summer of 2005 donna was introduced to a young man named mark hutt uh, they were both on a baseball team together and while she was swept into a relationship with him Donna began losing contact with her friends and family. She also Mm -hmm. began to lose her high performance reviews at work. While she was a brilliant young lady, she was also an incredibly hard worker. Before she had even met Mark, she had paid off all of her student loans and had bought her house all by herself. So Mm -hmm. she seemed to be a really driven 30-year-old when she met him. Yeah, like...
1: It's really sad to see, like, I know that's going to mm-hmm. go downhill, which yeah. sucks because it seems like she really had her life together.
0: Right. It just yes. seems like that. Yeah. So friends began to notice signs of abuse on her. She had bruising on her body and would frequently uh, have to answer phone calls from him when she was out with her girlfriends or her friends. While she was planning her September 2007 wedding to Mark, Donna found a dress and T R for only $500, which is a really good steal. Mhm. Um she was really excited to tell Mark about it. She was kind of notably frugal with her money. That's how she was able to pay off her student loans and also her house or she had bought a house. I don't know if she had paid off the full loan yet. But I mean, damn, this girl really got her life had her life right. together. Right. So she was really excited and she called Mark about it to tell him I got this dress for $500. Um and friends could actually hear him yelling at her for not getting his laundry done. So he was very selfish with her and around the same time friends tried to stage an intervention with donna begging her not to marry him they obviously had noticed bruising all over her body um and they would ask her like how are you getting these bruises and she would say oh like i'm so clumsy mark was never hurt me yeah he was definitely abusing her um if not just physically also emotionally um Mm -hmm. she would get phone calls from him all the time and so her friends were like, you can't marry him. Like, please do not marry him. And God, no, oh, honey. <laughs> yeah. And so she actually had uh, longtime friends from her childhood back out of her wedding because they didn't believe that she should be marrying him. Yeah. So after she married Mark, her life really did begin to spiral out of control. Uh, I mentioned it earlier that she had paid off her loans and bought herself a home before meeting him. But just shortly mm-hmm. after, um, getting married to him, she had to file for bankruptcy. She had purchased a new truck, ATV, snowmobile, and snowboard, among other things, just for Mark. He was controlling her emotionally, physically, and now financially. Mm-hmm. So on December sixth, two thousand nine, after two years, um, when the couple was married, so she was about thirty-three years old. Oh, so they've been married for how long at that point? Uh, two years. Okay. So Donna was found dead on a makeshift mattress made out of couch cushions in her home's basement. During the 911 call, Mark admitted that he accidentally doused Donna with a a boiling pot of hot water 12 days before the call. He told authorities that she wasn't breathing anymore and that he had been taking care of her in their home because she would kick and scream anytime she was asked to go to the hospital.
1: Oh my god. Wait, so she was laying there
0: in pain for 12 days? 12 days, days. yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, um... Oh, no. The medics would never have expected what they found when they opened Donna and Mark's front door. So she was laying there in the basement with the window open. Uh It was cold out, so it was letting the cold air in, so it was super cold. Um, he was attempting to cover up the smell of her rotting flesh from her wounds. hmm He kept telling the police, like, no, like, I've been taking care of her. I, like have been doing the best that I can. I even cleaned up um, her, like she wouldn't get up out of the bed. Um, so the she, victim mentality. I know, it's bad. <laughs> so he said that she had urinated and defecated on the mattress that she was on because she refused to get up because she was in so much pain. Um, And he was like, you have to get to the hospital. And he like cleaned her up and changed her and he like helped her with her wounds. Um, but she just like would not get out of bed and go to the hospital. So when authorities came to the house, she was stiff from passing away at least 12 hours prior to Mark calling the authorities.
1: Why didn't he take, why didn't she want to go to the hospital? Do we know?
0: Um, I think she may have actually wanted to go to the hospital, but he allegedly said that She didn't want to go to the hospital that he told her that she had to go to the hospital, but she refused to do it and would kick him and scream at him every single time.
1: Um, I mean, it does not sound like she had the energy to do that.
0: No. And I think somewhere between six to nine hours before she passed away, Mm -hmm. she called her mom and she said that she had gotten accidentally hurt or she had gotten accidentally burned and... Her mom was like, oh, my God, do you want me to come over and help you? And she's like, no, no, no. Like, I have my mark here to help me. Like, he'll take care of me. It'll be fine. So she was hiding what he had done to her. And I think she didn't go to the hospital because she thought that he was going to go to jail. But what she didn't know is Mm -hmm. that he was basically killing her. When the paramedics came to the house, her T-shirt was stuck to her and her infected and smelly wounds. The house was littered with love notes from him. Some of which said that she was his angel. Um, all while he was calling her, telling her if she didn't come home, he'd kill her. And- so
1: abusive. So it was toxic.
0: A Jekyll and Hyde situation. Like at the house, he was like, "You're the best thing that's ever happened to me." And anytime she left the house to go to work, he would call her a mm-hmm. million times a day and say, "Like if you don't come home tonight, I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to kill you." Like, oh god, that's so bad. Yeah. So. The police did ask why he didn't take her to the hospital, and he told authorities that she was super afraid of them. Sergeant Stephan Jones, a forensic officer who testified during the trial, gave a detailed description of the crime scene in the basement of the victim's home and Mm -hmm. testified of signs of physical abuse to her. So the forensic officers found red stains that could be blood on the walls, a hallway door, and on stair posts. There was also a broken door in the home. Mm -hmm. There was red stains found on her hair scrunchie, on her sneakers, and on the collar of her coat. I mean, this isn't the first time he's been abusing her. No, absolutely not. When they interviewed Mark, he said that she had fallen into a fire pit, but he quickly changed his story um, when he was being interviewed by the police. He told them that he was making her favorite spaghetti dinner when he turned around with the pot and she was standing behind him looking for a Tupperware bottle, and he accidentally spilled the entire pot of boiling water onto half of her body. Oh, yeah, that's how... (laughs) Right. Yeah. However, her burn showed a shape that would have been conducive of her knowing that the pot of boiling water was going to be thrown at her. So if she's on the ground looking for a Tupperware you would think, like, half of her face and a lot of her shoulders and arms would be filled with these burns. Yeah. That wasn't the case. Um, her burns showed a shape that was didn't line up with what he was saying. hmm So during the trial, more of the truth about Donna's wounds came out. A forensic pathologist detailed her extensive burns and injuries. It wasn't just the burns that um, she had on her body. While she did die from septic shock, there was numerous injuries that were inflicted on her. According to CBC News, there were burns on over 40% of her body. Both her hands and her left forearm were, were bandaged, um, but her back, which was the deepest of all cuts, were left undressed um, and super infected. They told the court that she was in excruciating pain for 12 days. She had seven ribs that were previously broken and healing. Um, which had suggested that he kicked her before the burning incident. And she also had two currently fractured ribs. Um, yeah. She had a broken finger on her left hand, fractured right wrist and a forearm injury where it looked like he had hit her super hard with something. And that um, made like an indentation on the forearm bone. Um, she also had 29 air gun pellets in her body. Most Mm -hmm. of them were embedded into her skin and her burns. So it is suggested by the pathologist that she was shot at a point blank range with an airsoft gun. Um, There were even some lead in her body, but it wasn't enough to cause her death. This poor girl, she literally went through it. Yes. Even though he caused all of this damage to her, he was still painting himself as this wonderful, caring husband. According to an article by Christine. Blatford for Canada.com. He told her repeatedly, Donna, you're burned head to toe. It's just getting worse. And if she didn't seek medical help, something bad would happen. Um, Hutt immediately demanded they go to the hospital. And she said that, or he said that she refused. She didn't want to get me in trouble. What ensued over the next 11 days was a story of magnificent sacrifice in the name of love. He stayed up with her all night long to make sure she was okay. Bought endless bandages and ointments at the dollar store, um, and he also bought Kit Kats for himself while at the the store for her. He's so dramatic. I know. He begged her to go to the hospital. He threatened suicide and divorce if she didn't. And in the later days, even performed mouth to mouth when she stopped breathing. On the first occasion, the day before she died, um, he said that she came right back to me snapping his fingers to show how quickly she had come back to him after he performed mouth-to-mouth with her. She even joked about what she was going to get me for Christmas. So um, he really did paint himself as this hero. Um, He sobbed to police, but there was no tears that came out, and he pretended that he threw up when he just Mm -hmm. spit up uh, into a trash can. He maintained this facade and pleaded not guilty to the death of his wife in court trial, which we all know, like, he he has an extensive history. (laughs) Um, A couple interesting details came out during his trial. His phone records were pretty strange over the 12 days that he was dealing with his wife dying. Um, So up until November 25th, 2009, he had called his wife, Dozens of times to make sure that she was at work or where she was supposed to be, but the day that he threw water on her, um, and was quote unquote tending to her, he tending. made several calls to other people. One of which was his ex-girlfriend, and oh my god, He's his divorced married. parents. Yeah, so he was moving on. He was he was talking to an ex-girlfriend. Like she's literally dying in the room next to you, and you're calling your ex-girlfriend. It doesn't make sense. Just getting his affairs in order. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that they were bonded by their trauma together. Like they had both dealt with trauma together and she had Mm -hmm. been in therapy for, um, some self-esteem issues and she was afraid that she was going to be left alone forever. And so I think her insecurity mixed with her father's abuse as a child, um, And telling her that, like, the wife needs to tend to the husband, that the wife needs to respect her husband at all times, really allowed him to abuse her and kill her.
1: This is what we really see in
0: women, is Mm -hmm. that
1: usually when they're abused, of course, it's never their fault. But um, it's usually because of insecurity or not really lack of strength, but it's just insecurity and unsureness Mm -hmm. of the future. Or right. How to get away, yeah, or the dependence, it's like that. And when men are abused, it's typically like because they think I'm a man, I can't be abused, like,
0: yeah, it's I'm, embarrassing,
1: yeah, and like that kind of like bad mentality. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see these abuse cases, and see how long they held on to until it proved that
0: I mean, it killed them in the end. His um attorney said that he didn't kill her,
1: he's lying.
0: On purpose. He said that it was an accident and he said that, yes, she was abused by him in the past, but her uh, broken bones weren't the reason why she died.
1: Oh my God.
0: Which is very fed up. So, Joel Fish, who is the medical director of the burn unit for the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto, Canada, testified as a burnt expert. And according to Fish, had Jones received proper medical treatment she would have been a virtually 100% chance of survival. So because he didn't bring her to the hospital, she died and went into septic shock because of her. Burns the pain. I cannot imagine the pain. Uh, According to Wikipedia, quote, Mark Hutt pleaded guilty to the lesser charge of criminal negligence causing death. The Crown rejected his plea and argued he was guilty for first-degree murder. A jury took less than a day to deliberate, and on June seventh, two 2013, found Hutt guilty of first-degree murder. Life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years, which is the maximum penalty in Canada, was the automatic sentence for him. So, he's still in jail. Good. I'm not mad. That's why my parents worry about me. It's just, It's just a very sad case. That's so terrifying, though. I know. It's sad. So... Uh, on a lighter note, why are your parents proud of you this week? <laughs> I love that we always like switch up like that. Where we're always like, and now about back to us. <laughs> we're going to be selfish for a
1: couple minutes, okay? <laughs> my parents are proud of me this week because I finished my thesis, which means I graduate in two months. It's crazy that you have to wait two months. I know. I mean, the career system is a little bit different. It feels really good to finally kind of be done. And my parents are mm-hmm. so happy. With my parents, I'm first generation, so, like, this is very exciting. That's crazy. I'm like, the most educated woman on my dad's side of the family, so wow. that pretty good.
0: Congratulations. That's crazy. Congratulations. I didn't know you were a first generation. Yeah, because,
1: um, I don't know, my parents never had the opportunity to go to college, and, mm-hmm. you know, technically, since my dad is from overseas, right? Um, my mom isn't, so I, I don't know if I'm, like, half first generation, but I guess, like, first generation still.
0: Yeah, that's why they're proud of me. What about your parents? Why are your parents proud of you this year? We finished Bates Motel last night. So good. It is so
1: good. He's such a good actor. I'm obsessed. What's his name? What's his actor?
0: What's the actor's name? Freddie Highmore. Yeah, he's great. All of them awesome. are so good. I'm, I'm personally obsessed with Alex Ramiro, which is the police officer. Um, oh. not sure yeah. why, but I just love him. You just feel it
1: in your soul. You're like, this is. The I really, I love yeah. The most.
0: Hunter and I both really liked his character, and I think it's just because he's just. Devoted to um th- one of the characters, and I don't want to give any spoilers out. <laughs> I think he's ch- trying his hardest to keep um order in a very unorderly area. In a
1: very unorderly area.
0: But I was worried about the ending because there's so many good shows, mm-hmm. but they end so terribly. And I think they did a pretty good job ending the sh- show out. It was very good. If you haven't watched Bates Mattel I suggest it. I know it's been an old show, but. Okay. So
1: once again, if you love this podcast episode, you should continue to listen to us on all major streaming platforms that I say every time, but can't remember (laughs) which ones they are. We love your views and we love the fact that we're getting more listeners. It feels Mm -hmm. so good because who wants to listen to
0: us? I know. Um, It's crazy that there's like other countries that listen to us.
1: I know. I'm like uh, that's why I try to put out centimeters and like pounds and stuff out there. Got right. to got to help my other my other people in the meter <laughs> stuff, meter system.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not there emotionally yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I'll make up for it with the little <laughs> terrible math in my head where I'm like kilogram to the last pound. <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, keep reaching out. If you have a proud parent moment, you can reach out to us at our Instagram. Why my parents worry about me? At our email. Why my parents worry about me? at gmail.com, all those fun stuff, and listen to us next week.
0: Tell your friends and family, thank you. Have a happy new year.
1: Bye. Bye!